Welcome to the Red State Blues, the official podcast of the Wyoming Democratic Party, where we talk with political leaders, candidates, and community members about what life is like living blue in a red state. Today on the Red State Blues, even as we celebrate all of the good that the American Rescue Plan will do for our state, we wait with anxious anticipation to learn the fate of HB 162, which will determine the future of Medicaid expansion in Wyoming. Medicaid expansion is a necessary move for the good of 25,000 Wyoming residents, and one that the Republican legislature has been resisting for a decade. Today we will hear from one Wyomingite, Elizabeth Hyatt of Laramie, who knows better than most how important Medicaid is when you can access it, and how devastating it is when you cannot. She also knows how important the ARP's financial assistance is for the working families of Wyoming, who are often only one small catastrophe away from poverty. Hello, everyone. This is Lindsay Hanlon, the Deputy Communications Director for the Wyoming Democratic Party. And with me today is my friend Elizabeth Hyatt from Laramie. Thank you so much for joining us today, Elizabeth. Thanks for asking to talk with me. Of course. Uh, So the reason that we're chatting today is that you have some experience in kind of the field of what is going on right now in both the nation and in uh, Wyoming in terms of healthcare and healthcare funding, the American Rescue Plan, Medicaid expansion, and all of that stuff. And I'm so grateful that you are willing to share your story. Can you tell me a bit about uh, your experiences on Medicaid and what being on Medicaid did for you? My experience being on Medicaid started uh, several years ago when I was pregnant with my only child. Um, At the time, my financial situation was not what you would call great. And Medicaid was the only insurance option available to me. I didn't have insurance at the time that I got pregnant. And so I applied while I was pregnant and was approved. So that covered my treatment through pregnancy. And then that also covered my daughter once she was born, which was a very good thing because she was medically complex. Um, She had to be flown from Laramie to Denver when she was a week old um, in a special uh, pediatric helicopter to children, which is not an inexpensive endeavor as you might (laughs) expect. Um, And then it covered the majority of her treatment for sort of a really wide array of medical issues that um, required a team of specialists and that frankly saved her life. So I am forever grateful that we had access to Medicaid and that we are not at this point, you know, probably close to a million dollars in debt because without Medicaid, we could not possibly pay out of pocket for all of the health care that she received, you know, just for the first year of her life. Like the number of procedures that we had done, I just, I mean, I can't even fathom what it all had to cost. And if you just sent that bill to me, it would be so overwhelming that even now that we're what I would consider financially stable, I don't think that we would ever get out from that debt that would be hanging over our heads. Like it would constant, it would, it would be 
so expensive that we could never pay it off. Like I can't imagine us ever being able to finance that, you know, like it would, it would mean that we wouldn't be talking about buying a house in the next couple of years because we would just be paying off that debt. I can't even imagine what that bill would look like. And I can say from experience that Juniper is completely worth it. She's the most adorable child. Um, But yeah, I cannot imagine staring that down. And I, as your friend, am so grateful that you were able to be on Medicaid for that so that she could be taken care of and that you could be taken care of. Um, Because yeah, it's just kind of luck of the draw sometimes when those medical expenses come up. Yeah, I mean, we had no indication through my pregnancy that there was anything unusual to expect with her, you know, when when I delivered her. Um, you know, I got to hold her for, I don't even think it was 10 minutes after she was born before they said she's not breathing right and kind of swept her away. And that was not at all something that I was prepared for because, you know, as far as we knew up until that point, like, everything was fine. Um, so it, you know, like you can't plan for that sort of thing. Nobody expects to have a child with serious medical issues, you know, I, and I think most of us get really lucky and have very healthy children, but there's not like, there's not like some, some system that says that only people with great wealth and who can afford it are going to get sick children, you know? Yeah, absolutely. There's uh, there's no rule book for that kind of thing, I don't think. And I know that right now other people in your family are kind of experiencing what we kind of call the Medicaid gap, where they're in this kind of in-between spot where they're not qualifying in, under any programs, but they still need health care. Um, I don't want to make you go into too many details about that, but can you kind of say what the experience is of being a family member of someone who needs that care and can't get it. So it's honestly one of the most frustrating experiences of my life. And, you know, I say that even as somebody who like went through this really complicated medical scenario with my child, my younger brother has always worked like really, um, well-paying manual labor jobs. He worked in the oil field. He's worked construction. And, you know, he's always had a solid job. And then he started having problems with his back. Um, And at this point, it's so serious that at 30 years old, he can't even sit in a chair for more than a couple hours at a time in a day without just being in excruciating pain. And so he went from having like a good paying construction job with good insurance to losing his job because, you know, he some days even struggles to walk. So he can't be like lifting heavy manly things. (laughs) Um, And was told that he need that really the only treatment for his condition is surgical. But like I said, he lost his job. So he doesn't have insurance. He doesn't have any income. So he doesn't qualify for, um, a, uh, he doesn't qualify for assistance paying for insurance, like on the marketplace. So 
he has no insurance. He has no assistance paying for insurance. And in Wyoming, he doesn't qualify for Medicaid because Medicaid wasn't expanded. And so adults without children um, don't don't qualify. So for, you know, I think it's been over a year at this point, he's in this like horrifying limbo where he can't work because he needs surgery in order to be able to function and even do some of the most basic elements of daily life. But he can't get the surgery that he needs, so he can't work. And then he can't work to get the insurance to get the surgery. And so there's nothing to support him outside of sort of the stimulus checks and that kind of thing, which have been really a godsend because that's at least allowed him to make a handful of truck payments um, and get caught up on, on his insurance and stuff like that. But outside of that, like it's me helping him pay his truck payment or sometimes our mom can send some money to help. Um, I think sometimes friends have, have stepped in to help, but I'm not sure what we can do to rectify his situation without Medicaid expansion, because what he needs is complex spinal surgery, which isn't something that any of us can fund out of pocket. And he can't work because his condition's so serious. And so, like, we've actually talked about moving out of state kind of as a family in order to live somewhere that he would be able to get Medicaid and get the surgery that he needs. And like, it's kind of mind boggling to me that it's apparently better for the state of Wyoming for me and our other brother who's working, both of us in allied healthcare fields, which are in demand and needed in the state of Wyoming, that to some legislators, it would be preferable that the two of us leave the state to move somewhere else to get the health care that our brother needs, that that is somehow better than helping our brother get the surgery that he needs so that he can be a productive member of society and, you know, go back to work, which would again be here in Wyoming and would also mean that my other brother and I remain here in our productive healthcare jobs. So obviously Medicaid expansion would make a huge difference both in your brother's life and in your life, in the life of other people you know. Um, and we're all very lucky that that is back on the table now thanks to the American Rescue Plan and the money that it can potentially provide to Wyoming. What do you see as kind of the consequence if we you know, fail to expand Medicaid once more? I think that if we fail to expand Medicaid yet again, that we're literally endangering the lives of our friends and neighbors who live in the state with us, which I think is kind of serious enough in and of itself. Like, I can't imagine looking at people who need healthcare and being so cold as to deny that to them when it's available and it's at our fingertips and the funding is there. Um, that's really just stunning to me. But at the same time, I also think that it's going to make addressing some of Wyoming's 
bigger picture problems harder as well. Um, you know, because I think that if we reject some of the money that's available to us, that it's going to make Wyoming look less hospitable as a place to build a career and build a family and raise children. Yeah, I also cannot imagine that. And I can't really fathom why our legislators have done that for about 10 years. But hopefully now with this promised money from the American Rescue Plan, um, they will finally see sense. So kind of along with our discussion on Medicaid expansion and what that can mean to people, I think another aspect of the American Rescue Plan that has really incredible consequences on everyone is the stimulus checks and the individual assistance, the child care credits, things like that. I know that at various times, you and I have both been what I call uh, digging through the couch cushions poor. And I will probably uh, be telling my own story on one of these here soon. But can you tell me uh, what impact did those stimulus payments have on your life? So it's actually kind of interesting because the the stimulus payments came to us at a time when we're actually more financially stable than we have been in years. But I say that, and still we're we're all we're in that place where we can pay our bills on time every month, but we're like one disaster short of catastrophic circumstances, mm-hmm. you know, which I think that a lot of families can relate to. Um, so the stimulus payments gave definitely gave us specifically in our family, I think breathing room, if that makes sense. Um, and it allowed us to catch up on those things that even when you're doing pretty okay financially are always like in the background. So I was really fortunate to be able to buy a new car, which is something that our family really needed. But, you know, when you buy a new car, you've got to pay your tax and title and license fees, which is not insignificant. And so the stimulus, the, the last stimulus came at exactly the right moment to take that weight off of my chest, you know? So instead of kind of shuffling things around and saying, Oh gosh, like, how am I going to pay that bill? What am I going to rearrange in our life to make that feasible? I was just able to pay it. And that kind of thing is, is such a relief. And you know, even though we have good insurance through my employer now, um, we all we still have our co-pays and our deductibles to meet. And my husband's been getting regular physical therapy for um, pain that he's had literally for a decade um, and kind of just ignored until now. Um, and so the stimulus has made paying those medical bills less of a concern for us, um, which is extremely helpful. So I was able to just go to the provider's office and pay the bill instead of setting up a payment plan and having that, you know, be one more bill every month for months and months and months on end. Um, That was just something that we were able to pay. And that was quite a relief for us. Um, And I'm really looking forward to the child tax credit, um, which is going to be coming out as payments to families with children, I I believe in July. You can correct me if that's wrong. Um, 
And for us, like we've really discussed what we're going to do with that. And my daughter is actually um, turning three in a couple of weeks and we want her to be able to start preschool in the fall. And because we're doing so well financially, we're actually just a little bit above the level where we could qualify for free preschool from, you know, like Head Start or that kind of thing. So the child tax payments that we're going to get are basically just going to directly pay her preschool tuition, which is a, is really a comfort to me because, you know, that's several hundred dollars a month that we would have just had to take out of my normal paycheck, which means, you know, kind of less in, in savings or, you know, shuffling around our bills, that kind of thing. Um, so I am super grateful for that extra extra money this year. That is fantastic. And yeah, I think a lot of Wyomingites can relate to that kind of in-between place where you make too much money to qualify for assistance, but you don't make enough money that it is really feasible to do all the things you want to do or to do the things you need to do for your family without having that worry that you're, you know, stretching yourself too thin for, as you say, that one catastrophe that can do everything in. And I think it's, I think it's really helpful, especially for people who are in the, the sort of financial position that we are now, which is that for a lot of um, income need-based programs, the government looks at us and says, like, you're doing great. And we're doing okay. We really are. But like $300 a month in preschool tuition or daycare or that kind of thing is hard. You know, like, and I, I don't want to say that, I don't want to make it sound like our position is worse than, you know, when we were in like abject poverty, because it's not. But it is difficult to not qualify for any of the income assistance programs, but also not be so well off that paying for something like preschool is just something you don't even worry about. Yeah, just kind of a tight in-between spot. I know that feeling very well. Yeah, and and I really think that that's probably where a lot of working families in the state are. I I think you're right. I think especially, you know, what we consider poverty level wages and what we consider above par- poverty, I still look at a lot. I'm like, that pretty sure that's still poverty. Pretty sure. Pretty sure you're still poor. Yeah, you know, just because you don't qualify for something like food stamps doesn't mean that your money situation isn't still very tight. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I'm so glad, actually, that, you know, even despite being in this tight situation, that with the child tax credits, you will be able to send Junie to preschool. You have been able to, you know, get another, get a vehicle that works. Um, I I won't bore our listeners with uh, the, the story of the, the tires and the drive <laughs> to Cheyenne, but it was a really fun one. Uh, um, but I'm so glad that these things have helped you get to a position that is more stable and have helped you get to a position where you are able to pay for some of those necessities without being scared, really. Um, That's a really good feeling. And when I think about what our government should do, I think that that's what our, I think that's exactly what our government should do. Our government should be supporting the people 
the government exists as as our representation and i think that the best use of government money is to help children and families and the elderly and the people who need health care um i i think that the stimulus and medicaid expansion and all of the things that have been coming out you know kind of um as a result of the pandemic were really things that needed to be happening anyway. Yeah, I can't agree more that just things to actually take care of the people are things that we always should have been doing and things that we should keep doing. Because I don't have, you know, hundreds of thousands of medical of dollars of medical debt hanging over my head from, you know, functionally saving my child's life, that means that now I'm able to contribute back to the economy and I'm able to think about saving to buy a house. I'm able to support uh, our small local businesses. I'm able to be a functioning member of society. And so, you know, I think it's really like it's, it's a give and take situation where the government helped me when I needed it. And now I'm able to be a functioning, contributing member of society. That is a fantastic way of looking at it where, you know, it's not really so much a handout as it is a way to make sure that you are able to give back to others. I think that's a great uh, perspective on it. And, you know, I kind of think that, you know, like in my brother's situation, that his plan is that when he gets his surgery and when he's recovered, you know, he's going to go back to work. That's what he wants to do. He doesn't want to be sitting at home all day, every day, doing nothing. It's just that that's the only thing he can do right now. Um, and so I think that we need to help our fellow citizens live the best lives that they can. And I think that if they're living the best life available to them, that they're going to give back to their communities and, and give back in in the taxes that they pay from the good jobs that they're working. You know, I don't think that anybody chooses poverty. I don't think that's something that any of us want. Um, you know, I certainly don't begrudge the taxes that come out of my paycheck now. You know, I know that that's going to help somebody else who may have been in the same situation that I was in. I think you're absolutely right. I will not take up any more of your time, Elizabeth, but thank you so much for joining me today and sharing your story and uh, just sharing what it is like to be one of the people that is affected by these policies. I really appreciate it. Thanks for talking with me. I'm glad that I can put, if not a face, at least a name to <laughs> to the people who who use these programs. And I, I hope that maybe even one person will, will be able to hear and maybe reassess how they think about things like Medicaid or, or other programs like that. That would be fantastic. I really hope for that too. Thanks for listening to Red State Blues. Enjoyed today's podcast? It would not be possible without your continued support. To donate, visit yodems.org.